Hello and welcome to another episode of the What Up Pod. This time we are discussing the 2018 God of War. Brr, boy. Brr. Yeah. Ah, axe. Yeah. <laughs> boy. Uh, I don't feel anything. There we go. <laughs> that's the trailer. <laughs> well, that stops me from having to find the trailer now, so thank you for that. Just, just add a bit of music to the background. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> I wonder if it's like an accordion no version of the God of War no theme. The <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> so, as you may have guessed, I am your host for this month. Um, it's Becky. You should probably know that by now. You've been here a while. And I am joined... <laughs> I am joined by Andy. Hello. Chip. Hello. And Bash. Hello. Sorry, I didn't say fuckers. Hello, fuckers. Oh, well, I'm glad you got that in right at the end there. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. It's my thing. It is your what thing. What up, fuckers, as well? Yeah. Like, who are you? What are you done with Andy? <laughs> We're all a bit discombobulated today, guys. I'm a father now. Like, uh, that doesn't stop me from swearing, to be honest. But, you know. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, it just means I'm very tired. <laughs> Do you not swear more now? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> oh, so, before we get going on God of War and all of our various thoughts on that, what have we been playing? Andy? I'll go to you because I feel this might be easy with baby Sergio here now. Actually, I've been playing like quite a lot of stuff. Oh. Uh, I've been playing like Two Point Campus, uh, nice. Cult of the Lamb. But I'm, I'm actually going to just go on a bit of a rant right now. Oh. So, you know, instead of Brace yourselves, usual stuff. Everyone. So, so like, it's like late last month, I, I saw this tweet from an indie developer called uh, Octavi Navarro. And they were sharing a Steam review for one of their games from a user that had played and finished their game in like half an hour. Uh, they'd admitted they'd watched a streamer play it first, meaning they didn't have to do any trial and error to solve any puzzles. And like, if you don't know, Steam's refund policy means you can refund a game if you've played only two, under two hours of it. So this really fucks over any indie developers making like more compact games. So this tight-fisted shithead got a refund for a game they admitted was great and they really enjoyed playing but they just because they'd done it in half an hour. I know some of the blame should fall on Steam for having a really horribly rigid anti-developer policy, but mostly I'm just blaming this asshole. So I checked the dev page, and their games cost like a few quid at worst. And like, if you're so cheap, you don't think a couple, like half an hour of your time is worth a few quid. You really shouldn't be buying indie games. Just just fuck off and find another hobby. You fucking cretin. <laughs> anyway, so I always just feel like the time you spent on a game should matter more than how much time you spent in the game. So, like, because mm. if if the amount of time spent in a game was like correlated to the value of it, then Ubisoft would be like the best game publisher on the planet, and they're not. So, I fit in my Ubisoft <laughs> bash there. So, I, I bought like five of their games just to counter that complete wank stains behavior. I got uh, Uninvited, The Librarian, and a couple of the Midnight Scene series. They're all like um, pixel art horror games that they're really gorgeously made. There's a lot of like craft on display. Definitely worth worth more than what they're charging. So, I, I really, I've really enjoyed what I've played of those games, and I didn't get a refund for any of them because I'm not a complete cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's me done. I bought a, I bought oh. some games out of spite, basically, and it paid off. So that's good. That's such a you thing. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. And thank you for taking this on that rant with you. You're welcome. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you are right. That is shitty behaviour. Don't do that, folks. 
Uh, Chip, what have you been playing? I'm saving Sasha for last because I know she's got different answers this month, so I'm excited. Yeah, it's a nice surprise, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've had a couple of disappointing experiences with games uh, in the past month because I finished a couple. So I finished um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and I finished Final Fantasy VIII, both of which I was really, really disappointed with. Oh. Um, and they're not bad games in the slightest but i just thought they were very average distinctly average i guess you could say so that's been a real shame and then i've not been really been sure what to play after that like nothing's really kind of tickled my pickle you know um <laughs> so i've gone back to an old favorite that i've been trying to finish for a oh few years now oh and um yeah, yeah. How, how are you? Are you got your rent out, Andy? You, do, you doing okay there? I'm, I'm kind of recharging right now, so it's probably a good. Okay, time. then I'll just say it quickly because I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey again, and this time I'm going to fucking finish it. I'm going to play it until I finish it. So stay tuned, everyone. Although I've had a real hard time getting into it <laughs> again. <laughs> you fucking better complete it this time. I'm not hearing this again. All right. Well, it might take a while because I haven't really put a lot of time into it because. It's not as good as something like Ghost of Tsushima, which I've also played quite recently. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough time getting back into it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it. It's gonna happen one day, maybe. It's it's very weird that you mentioned everybody's gone to the rapture. So tune in for my recommendation later, folks. It's not the game. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Because yeah. I wouldn't. I'd have to edit that out. I'm sorry. Oh, oh I'm <laughs> sad you didn't enjoy it. I loved that game. Yeah, I was so intrigued at the start. Like, I was so interested in it. And a couple of the stories I were mildly into, but it was just, like, that was just kind of rubbish. I like all those sort of games, so that Mm. made me even more disappointed, you know? Oh, no, that is a shame. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's not a bad game. It just didn't get me. Yeah, that's fair. Sasha, regale us. What have you been playing? (laughs) Well, well... (laughs) take you on a journey i guess i mean first of all i will just like to call out that the start of this month was my one year since i first stepped foot in eorzea in final fantasy 14 but instead of boring you all for another month (laughs) about what the latest shit i've been up to in what is arguably my favorite game we've done like a separate side episode me and andy just on that yeah on that one game so you know be excited for that maybe I don't know. I am. Hopefully it'll be out already. So It may already be out. That's true. Might be in the past. I loved it. I'm going to hedge my best and say I loved it. (laughs) I haven't listened yet, but I'm going to love it. I loved it. I am looking forward to listening it. Delete as appropriate future. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I am excited by this. But things I've been playing, aside from the game for this podcast, huge if true, I played Power Wash Simulator quite a bit of it yes 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 i played stray oh my yes Yes. we yeah we need to talk about stray at some point yes i did cry at the end that's shocking nobody wow what a beautiful game just from what you said andy by the way about you know people complaining about how much they've spent versus the amount of time spent on a game i mean admittedly i played it through the playstation plus but like (laughs) i would have happily played paid the 20 odd quid for it and being absolutely Mm. fine with the sort of six seven hours i played it and i'm playing it again with my son because i think he'd really like it um and we're going to collect everything as well so do a more completionist run but games that i know you guys haven't played and wasn't sure if you were going to mention them too to be fair i've also been playing amori 
which is a role-playing game, um, an indie role-playing game that was based on a webcomic series of the same name. It's inspired by traditional JRPGs, shock, <laughs> um, and has a very like um, manga styling about it. It kind of depicts like it's eighteen rated on Ooh. Game Pass because it depicts like a lot of tough subjects under its extraordinarily cute veneer, like you know depression and anxiety and. I feel bad going, ooh, now. I thought it was going to be Yeah. I'll cut that in at the wrong moment, don't worry. um, Retract my Yeah, I went there too. (laughs) It's kind of a bit... It has some psychological horror elements, but in the turn-based battle, there's, like, the status effects are based on the character's emotions and stuff. It's really well thought out um, and really weird. And it has a very cool soundtrack, and I like it a lot. Um, And it's set in two different places, in the far away or... Oh no, I've forgotten the name of the other place. Um, Headspace. Headspace or Far Away Town. That's the name of the two different areas that you can be in. It's very cool. I don't want to say too much. It has multiple endings, so I've heard. So we'll see. Um, Omori, it's short from Hikikomori, which is a Japanese term for people with um, acute social withdrawal. Yeah, it's a really contemplative and interesting and weird little game. And then I've also been playing another weird little Japanese game. <laughs> Danganronpa 2. Good die despair. <laughs> um, and I don't really know how to explain <laughs> this game. Please try. <laughs> it's a visual novel adventure. It's like 10 years old now. It's its 10th anniversary this year. It's just, no, I, don't, I genuinely don't know how you explain it. You're a group of high school students who get trapped on a tropical island by your headmaster, obviously. Who, by the way, is a sentient stuffed bear, because <laughs> oh, I yeah, obviously. I've okay. And there's also a sentient stuffed rabbit as well for reasons. Sure. And essentially, it's a little bit like battle royale, in the sense a, a little bit. But to leave the island, you must kill one of your peers and not be caught in the subsequent investigation and trial. So it's like <laughs> battle royale meets Ace Attorney. It's <laughs> the weirdest Sold. fucking game I've ever played and I love it I want to play this it's, yeah. it's on Game Pass right now <laughs> both of the I last two Game games Pass, I I'll mentioned. get Game Pass and I'll play this both of the two <laughs> games I mentioned were on Game Pass but yeah definitely Romper 2 is just it's just weird and it has some of the best quotes like some of the best quotes yeah definitely look up Romper 2 I guess like the first one maybe I've not played it though and I can't find it anywhere um that i don't have to pay for it <laughs> and i'm already paying for game pass so i've just added it to my play later list yeah nice it's just i think chip you'd really get because i'm still not used to that whole investigation element of it and the trial stuff but from watching you do your ace attorney streams i kind of get the gist of it but yeah it's wild oh, yeah. it wild. sounds like it's butter my bread for sure it should butter your you're bread. really coming out with them tonight aren't you <laughs> Are you yeah. hungry right now? This sounds like <laughs> tired. I mean, <laughs> like we're like got... halfway to a burger at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a double beef patty from me. <laughs> Although, Sasha, I'm kind of disappointed you didn't end your bit on the previous game because then you could have just gone, and that's Amori, and we could have moved on.
Yeah. Becky, what have you been playing? Pizza pie. Okay. Okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Um, so I have been playing a really exciting variety of games because my partner has now moved in. Uh, massive life update news there. Uh, which means I have access to all of his consoles and Game Pass and things, which is great. Um, so I've played Two Point Hospital. I've played some House Flipper, which I didn't like. I thought I was going to, mm. but it the mechanics were really awkward on the Xbox. Um, and yeah, so I'm an Xbox dickhead now, and also a PC dickhead. And we've established I am the ultimate dickhead with the, all the dickhead. So that's great. But yeah, House Flipper didn't didn't grab me. So a one like the first thing you have to do is like clean with a mop. And the animation is just this mop kind of moving in a weird motion in front of you. And I just, I couldn't get over it. I was like, that's not working. Why? What? So yeah, didn't grab me. I've also been playing Power Wash Simulator, which I love so much because it starts off as the lovely little Power Wash Simulator and then it gets really fucking weird (laughs) and you're still power washing. It's amazing. I can't wait to talk about it when you guys have caught up to where I am. Because, yeah, it's really special. So that's that's exciting. And I've also started Dragon Age Origins. Origins? Yes. Origins. <laughs> Origins. I, I am tired. Really new one. And Dragon I can't Age speak. Oranges. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's the vitamin C version. No, so I've started playing uh, Dragon Age Origins, which is really exciting because now I can play through to Inquisition again and have all of my story decisions filter into Inquisition. So that's exciting. Yay. I yeah. love Origins. I love so good. Games, so good. I'm an elf rogue again, because why depart from formula? Cool. Good selection of games, chaps. So I guess we should move on to the game we are discussing today, our game of the month. And it is God of War, as we said at the top, the 2018 game developed by Santa Monica Studio and published by Sony. It is the eighth installment in the God of War franchise, which I was amazed at i didn't realize there had been that many games because i picked up the first two hated them and put them back down again so for those not in the know it's loosely based in greek mythology um and that transplants kratos your main character into norse mythology this time so you're in in your midgard in scandinavia and you follow his very troublesome relationship with his young son atreus as they try to reach the highest peak in the realms uh, to inter his dead wife's ashes at the top. And that's basically the principle of the story. And then, obviously, things go awry because things go awry. And I'm going to hand over to Andy now because there's a lot of history to the God of War franchise. I nearly said Game of War then. So uh, my words are not going well this evening. Andy, help! <laughs> well, I'm just going to give a pretty, hopefully, brief rundown of the god of war franchise like up to the point where the reboot was beginning to get developed yeah god of war was created by twisted metal creator david jaffe and released on the ps2 in 2005 it was a massive hit Uh, it scored 94 percent on metacritic and sold 4.61 million units becoming the 14th best-selling ps2 game of all time and considering the ps2 is the most successful games console ever made and likely to remain that way that's a very impressive feat. Uh, they followed this up swiftly with God of War 2 in 2007, 
uh, Corey Barlog, who was originally an animator on God of War, was promoted to co-director and lead writer for this game. The game saw a slight downturn from its predecessor, scoring 93 on Metacritic and selling 4.24 million copies. This is the 16th best-selling PS2 game ever. A prequel on the PSP was released, and it was called uh, Chains of Olympus. Uh, Corey Barlog returned to write that. David Jaffe, however, he was done with the series at this point, and outside of a Twisted Metal reboot for the PS3 in 2012, he only produced two other games before pretty much disappearing from the industry, outside of making the occasional contentious interview. He's, he's a very controversial figure, that David Jaffe. But um, <laughs> despite no longer being part of the series, God of War remained true to Jaffe's vision, and every subsequent sequel was following that vision. God of War 3 was released in 2010 on the PS3. Barlog provided a story outline and served as the director for the first eight months of development before uh, stepping away from the series. Stig Asmussen took over as director and Marion Kraftcheck, one of the writers of the original game, returned to pen the script. Uh, God of War 3 was another big hit. It got 92% on Metacritic and sold slightly better than God of War 2. Barlog returned to help write uh, Ghost of Sparta for the PSP, but he left Santa Monica Studio, bouncing around the industry for a bit, uh, briefly working with Avalanche Studios on an unfinished Max, uh, Mad Max Fury Road game. Uh, and then he briefly worked with Crystal Dynamics, uh, directing the cinematics for their Tomb Raider reboot, before he stepped away from the industry to start a family. God of War Ascension on the PS3 was released in 2013, and that represented a series that was like well and truly out of ideas and nothing new to offer. Reviews were generally favourable, but um, the game sold poorly, uh, at least relative to the series standard. It was a pretty obvious game as we're getting tired of Kratos' angry ashen shtick, so the series went on a hiatus while they tried to work out a new direction. Cool, thank you. There's so many games. Um, there are a lot I know of games. it's diminishing returns and all that. I just wanted to know what um, experience people have had with the franchise so far, like pre 2018, because I know I have some quite strong opinions that I've aired before on the podcast about the first couple of God of War games. Um, so I just wanted to open that up. You know, do we have experience? Do we not? Where do we sit? I can answer real quickly because it will be <laughs> I thought you might be able to. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, I, I have played uh, the first two, and I know there will be some different opinions on this, but I do have a caveat. But I did love those two games back in the day. Um, I played them when I came out, so I would have been, what, sort of mid-teens-ish when I first did, and I played them with my best friend. We always played them together, as we did with this one when it was released as well. And yeah, the caveat being that I am well aware that if I went to back to try and play them nowadays, I don't think I would have the same opinion, because I have since tried to go back and play the third game. Is that Ascension? Was that the third one? No, it's just God of War 3. The- just God of War 3. Okay, then I went back and tried and played that, and I kind of hated it. So I, I kind of almost want to leave the memories of Lone mm. uh, alone for having good times with those back in the day. But yeah, I'm aware that they probably wouldn't line up with where I am in my life right now. I do remember, um, I think on the second game, I was playing it, we were, we were playing it, I should say, and we got stuck on a particular level, which was like an underwater swimming puzzle type level. And it was one of those that we tried and tried and tried and tried and couldn't do. So we put the game in a drawer and we left it for about six months <laughs> and then came back to it one day and just fucking did it first time somehow and then continued and played the rest of the game. Um, so that's mainly my memory of the original games. Nice. How about you, Andy? Well, I, I have tried God of War, but that kind of subset of like hack and slash action games, it's just a, it's just a big no for me. I just, 
I don't like button mashers. Like that's how it felt to me when I was playing it. I didn't, I couldn't get my head around it. I just felt kind of numb to the whole thing. I, I couldn't at least recognize how much it was advancing the presentation of like AAA action games with its mm. big cinematic set pieces and stuff. But the uh, core gameplay loop of it was just just dull to me. And that's before uh, how repellent I found the first game. It's just generally just very off-putting a lot of the time. Like, the concept of knocking, like, seven shades of shit out of Zeus should always be appealing, but the way they packaged it just didn't work for me. Like, the uh, quick-time event sex scenes. Mm. That's, it's such an early 2000 sort of thing to do. Like, I don't... Like, if anyone playing uh, listening hasn't done played a God of War game, basically, there'd be some comically large-breasted women greeting Kratos, and then within, like, just very little in the way of preamble... They'd start, it cut to like a shot of a bedpost or a plant pot on a bedside cabinet, like constantly <laughs> moving to the, the rhythmic pot. pounding yeah. that was going on off screen. And you had to perform certain button prompts, like a, a David Cage game almost, to maintain Kratos' erection or something. I don't know what the purpose was. I don't know what correlation it was. But anyway, it's just the most cringeworthy crap I've ever seen. Yeah. It's just the sort of thing that it just end all of your remaining dignity if your a parent or your partner walked in watching you <laughs> doing that. Ugh, off-putting. But yeah, I, I played God of War. I tried a pirate copy of God of War 2 on someone's hacked PS2. I tried the demo of God of War 3. I played Chains of Olympus just to try and justify how much I spent on importing a PSP. I've just constantly been trying to get it with this series, but it's just, it just wasn't working. I just had to call it quits at some point until yeah. recently yeah so my kind of it's entry into it was i love greek mythology um it's always been one of my my interests um it's something i studied at uni briefly because i'm a raging nerd so it's always been that kind of thing and you know you see a game coming out that's based in greek mythology and it's the reason i bought assassin's creed odyssey having no desire to at all play an assassin's creed game but it was like here you get to wander around ancient greece off you go so it was that kind of appeal. And yeah, I think it's one of the first franchises. I had the feeling that um, I talked about in the L.A. Noir episode of of being like, oh, this game is not for me. The plant pot rocking <laughs> and, you know, Kratos knocking, etc. And also just the kind of the level of violence and the overall kind of toxic masculinity of it. Like, I get why Teenage You loved it, Chip. And I think it was very much your demographic, like, you know. Oh, yeah, I was full of toxic masculinity back then, absolutely. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but, you know. Oh, no, but it's true, though. Like, I know I was making a little joke, but that is true. Like, you know, I hadn't processed a lot of stuff back then, and I was very much like, oh, I've been told boys don't cry all my life. So, yeah, a big angry man smashes things and <laughs> pots rocking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of guys go through that. Like, I think it's very hard for a guy to avoid the toxic phase in their life. Yeah. It's just about yeah. getting away from it. And Chip has, so it's fine. Yeah. Woo! And so has the franchise, fortunately. I, I mean, for me, it just... I really hated... I hated the first two games. I don't think I finished either of them. I gave the second one a chance, thinking, maybe it's grown up a bit with the sequel. No. So, again, a bit like you, Andy. Like, it's always been a series that I feel like I should like. Um, yeah. But it's just... It's had that kind of barrier to me of you are not a hormonally charged teenage boy and therefore it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna work for you. And I was very, very nervous about the new God of War and was pretty much set on not playing it 
for reasons, you know, that are obvious. But I think it was Andy, in fact, who changed my mind. I did, yes. Yes. And you have a little bit of just lead up into the 2018 reboot, I believe. Yeah, just a little bit. So yeah, uh, a year after God of War Ascension, development had already began on God of War. Like it's just They decided just to cut all the other subtitles and stuff. Just God of War, nice and neat. Uh, early plans were floating around that it'd be a reboot of the series rather than a, a, a sequel. Egyptian myth was initially considered as one of the new themes for the series, and it included Kratos being accompanied by a young boy, but interestingly not his son. This was before they settled on the Norse myth and actually having a son. David Jeffrey had originally envisioned a sequel series focusing on Kratos it within Norse myth mythology. But uh, let's be real, his, his vision would probably be to do just literally the exact same game with a different culture to desecrate. <laughs> uh, his, his Twisted Metal reboot didn't really evolve the series much. So he, and he's got some pretty weird attitudes about game design. If you haven't seen his, the shitstorm he caused when he talked about playing uh, Metroid Dread, he's just, he's, he's kind of a, I don't want to say a dinosaur, but he's very stuck in his ways about game design. And I feel like it would be functional, but not particularly interesting as a game. I won't get too much into the development process for this game because I will recommend you watch a documentary called Raising Kratos. It's on YouTube for like for free and it charts the development of the game alongside Cory Barlog's shifting perspectives since becoming a father. So after a long development pr- process, um, they were finally ready to reveal the game. This brings us to like E3, which uh, there, there are a lot of E3 reveals that I remember watching distinctly and like feeling the energy of the weekend peaking at that moment. Like when they finally announced Final Fantasy VII Remake or uh, Resident Evil 7. But I feel like uh, when God of War was announced in uh, 2016, I think it was. I Even not being a fan of the series, I felt the energy of the the event just it just overwhelmed me. It was like, oh wow, this feels different. Uh, the demo that followed really swayed me as well. It, like, it was just a complete departure from everything that had gone before. This was the same year that Resident Evil 7 was announced with like that incredible bait and switch trailer and reveal, switching the entire series to first person. So this was a big year for like iconic series like taking big swings. So like having God of War though actually top Resident Evil 7 hype for me was a big deal. It really just completely revived cultural interest in the series after it had like demonstrably fallen off out of favour since the release of God of War 2 really. Uh, the game would continue to develop for another two years. Uh, lots of obstacles on the way. Again, watch the documentary. I'm not going to go into it all. And it culminated in 2018 with the release of what was almost immediately hailed as a game of the year by many critics. Yeah, so how I'm structuring the rest of our discussion kind of depends on the kind of things that we want to talk about, really, because I have not done as much prep as I would have liked for this episode. Um, very professional here at the One Up Pod. But I think I want to kick off with kind of everybody's general thoughts, like where you sit with this game as a whole, and then we can kind of drill down into the different aspects, you know, that we want to talk about and see where we go with it, really. So, Chip, given your love for the original games, how did you come into the, the reboot? I fell in love with it almost immediately, I think, from the original trailer that first came out. I think, you know, we were saying earlier about how the first game is just a basic, you know, toxic masculinity, wet dream. <laughs> and, I, you know, and as Annie was saying, like, I've grown as a person since then, thank God. And it really felt like the game was doing that with me. You know, as much as we might not like the original games now, I think it almost 
makes this game better in that you can see the growth mm. of not only the game and what it's saying, but also with Kratos as a character. And I think you got that straight away from seeing the trailer and even more so when you eventually come around to playing the game. So me and my best friend were very excited because we were like, yes, we will absolutely play this one together again, which we did and had another very lovely experience playing it together. And I actually, re- I wasn't sure how I'd get on playing it again for the pod, but I, I really enjoyed it. I just whacked it on easy this time and kind of found out that we hadn't explored very much. So I ended up finding a lot more in the replay with it. So I think, you know, if a game stands up the second time you play it, I think that's always a good sign. So I loved it the first time I played it and I loved it all over again when I replayed it for the pod. Nice. Uh, what about you, Andy? Yeah, so like right as the game was about to drop, I was I was really unsure about getting it. I, I loved that E3 reveal, like really excited me, but I was still just not a fan of those other games and, and I, I was worried about getting burned again by this fucking series. <laughs> so the game looked different enough and like the father-child dynamic, it kept reminding me of The Last of Us, which like that was my that was my in. I felt like I thought, okay, if if it can do something like The Last of Us was doing, I can get on board with this. That that emotional component that was just lacking in all the other games. That like to, the rah rah revenge thing just gets really fucking tiresome. <laughs> if you're just using it as a justification for action scenes rather than having something to say, mm. this just seemed different. It looked like it had other things on its mind. It's, I, I don't want to say grown up because it still is a game about just hitting monsters with an axe, but it did seem more grown up. So yeah, I, I took a, I took a leap of faith, started playing it. Took a little bit. Like, I was in, I was initially impressed like, with what I was playing. I was like, okay, this is a very, very well-made game. But it took a little bit of time before it started to sink its claws into me. I think possibly because I was still resistant to the series. I was like, they're going to fuck me over at some point if I, I don't watch myself. I need to keep an eye out for something going completely off the ch- off the rails. But it just it, that never happened. It just started getting more and more compelling and I was getting more and more invested in the story and the characters and the general mechanics of the game and just eventually i was just like absolutely in love with it kind of like chip just took me a little longer to get there yeah yeah so i i came to it because of your recommendation really um because you were saying you know how much more mature it felt in its themes um and also you posting screenshots of how pretty it was so i kind of i remember like being like i'm just gonna get it i'm just gonna spend i think i dropped like 50 quid on it and was like oh this could be a mistake (laughs) and well i think i softened on it a bit on my second playthrough i don't think i enjoyed it quite so much that time around yeah i think i really was impressed by how it took what was you know the teenage hormone wet dream toxic masculinity nightmare of the first few games and actually built it into the story um and kratos's character as chip said it was such an interesting kind of mea culpa of the the developers of of them knowing that they created this kind of controversial and lacking in dimension character and they thought, right, you know, we can take this and we can do this. And it it feels very much like a reflection of how video games have developed over the past however many years, 15 years or so since the second one, right? Am I doing maths correctly? But, you know, it feels like it's there's a real trajectory there in terms of how we view video games now and how we explore the themes and the cinematics related to them. It's It's not just about, you know, the hack and slash violence 
there's more thought going into the kind of legacy that that games leave in the world um much like kratos and his legacy you know him having to address that through the game so yeah i was very impressed and now i'm going to go to sasha because last (laughs) episode we all predicted that we we didn't think you were gonna like this game (laughs) so do we know you well with bated breath what were your thoughts of god of war i didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> at least we know you oh. sorry man uh, we are we are very sorry yeah yeah no i really tried and honestly i think it's the first dnf i've had in a while wow. because the more i played it the more just angry i was getting at having to play it <laughs> and i realized cool. that as much as i love you guys and i like being a part of this podcast like it's not my time is worth more than playing something that's making me actively irritated yes yeah absolutely it is i mean i actually googled i don't like god of war is there something wrong with me at some point because (laughs) on the basis of everybody else largely seems to have loved it although when you do google that there are others that didn't as well um but Mm. genuinely i think this may be the first time i've played a game that the three of you have loved that i don't understand why at mm. all i don't maybe by the end of this episode i might actually start to get there but like i know the story because uh, i realize i'm not finishing it i may as well at least read what happens but yeah <laughs> in fact i was worried even about doing this podcast because i really didn't want to be like a debbie downer i didn't want it to be every time you three like enthusing about it and me being like no literally i really didn't like it <laughs> And, and this isn't like a, oh, I just wasn't feeling it kind of thing. This is like an I actively disliked the game. I disliked mm. playing. I think that makes for a better episode though, right? Like all these like very, well, I mean like three against one in a way, but like, you know, <laughs> to have someone who does have a different opinion. So we're not just all here like, like, oh, it was so good, wasn't it? Like, I think it's cool. Like, I yeah, think. after everything. It's not cool you didn't like it. Like, the... I'm sorry uh, yeah, you had a I bad wish, time. Yeah, I, I, I wish you had liked it. <laughs> it's good to have a different opinion. But yeah, it's, just, it's like, not going to be a waste of time. The front of the cover is all like 10 out of 10s and you know all there's so much of things infusing on it and i'm like this feels like the most ps3 into ps4 i know it wasn't ps3 but the early ps4 games that i've ever played um and i just found it the story was not good enough for me to try and get past how largely unenjoyable i found it to play like the gameplay Mm. i really just could not stand yeah, I will. I will say it's not quite three against one because I did have, I do have some issues with it that kind of cropped up during my last playthrough, um, which we'll get into. So, so don't worry, you you're not going to be the only dissenting voice. I will say, but yeah, I am sorry you didn't like it, and I'm sorry you like actively didn't enjoy it. But I'm gonna really enjoy hearing why. <laughs> I think it's yeah, it's gonna make for a good, a good chat. Yeah. So I think one of the, the... You can't really escape the combat in God of War games. It's kind of the whole thing. So I wanted to uh, talk about the combat system, how it's evolved, because obviously you have the change from his... The chain... Oh, I can't remember Blades what they're called. Blades of Chaos. Thank you. Yes. I was like, the chains of something. Um, the Blades <laughs> of Chaos to um, the Leviathan Axe. But also you've got the addition of Atreus, um, different enemies, different kind of... Obviously, the camera is now the one-shot effect rather than, you know, the cinematic that the original games had. So, you know, how did we find the combat? 
did we think it improved? Did we have issues with it? I hesitate to go to Sasha first because I don't want to put you on the spot. But I think it would be a really good way, you know, for us to dig into the the combat to kind of see where you're coming from and then we'll, we can build yeah. from there. That makes sense. Well, as someone who um, finds a good combat makes or breaks a game, combat generally can make or break like these kind of games. Mm. The only word I have for the combat here is that it's kludgy. Which, if you're wondering what that is, it's a combination of clunky and sludgy. I think it is slow as fuck. <laughs> like, I play turn-based combat games that are faster than this bullshit. Like, <laughs> it is just like, huh, throw the axe. Oh, wait, no. Okay, right. I'll wait, then go to throw a punch. Why is it all in slow-mo? Why does it feel? Is it is it the god of war or is it the god of doing combat underwater for some reason, like it's invisible water <laughs> that none of us can see? That was a working title they had, actually. <laughs> I actually want to play that game. Like, it's just... I play a lot of hack and slash. It is one of my favourite combat types. And from what you were saying, the early God of War is very much where that hack and slash. And I don't know, I felt like above everything, I really, really expected the game to at least have decent combat. And I mm. just found it overcomplicated and boring, repetitive. And like I say, just slow! Why is it all so boring? <laughs> And then anytime you had like the cool stuff happening, you weren't actually doing it. You were watching it. They didn't even have the like odd like the courtesy to throw in a couple of quick time events when he's doing a big punch against one of the bad guys. It's just fucking boring, man. Like They do sometimes. I think that's later on though. Possibly yeah, later it... on, and cool if they do, but I tell you what, in the first five, six, seven hours, whatever, they do not. And um <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just like a spectator. That is how I felt like. And like any of like the mob stuff you come up against and because of how slow it felt, then it just felt insanely dragged out. Because at no point did I ever feel like he was in peril. And God Mm. mode, by the way, how fucking dull is that as well? How do you make God mode seem dull? I'm really biased here. I am. I know that because I just did not like it. But I just, I cannot believe that this thing that I was expecting to be great fun, throwing axes and punching hard and all the stuff that I would normally like in combat. And it just bored me to tears. And I wish I'd liked it better. But yes, (laughs) kludgy. Kludgy needs to be a word and it is exclusively for the combat in this game. (laughs) <laughs> I do like the word We need kludgy. like a one-up pod lexicon and yeah. we can have that kludgy in it. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. I like kludgy. Yeah, so I found on... Um, so when I initially played it, I loved the combat. I had the kind of opposite experience. I thought it was like, it was really fun and quick and involving. I loved the throwing of the axe. I loved the fact that you could throw it through someone's head and like rip it back through another one's head. That was great. Um, I f- did find, however, and I don't know... I don't know if this is just, you know, the gap between playing the first game and playing uh, replaying it uh, playing it the first time sorry and then replaying it but I did find the combat a lot more clunky this time and I was playing the PS5 version as well so I would have thought that it was you know better but I found you know the camera angle affected it so Kratos kind of weirdly strafes everything instead of like walking sideways and I've just I couldn't get used to that I kept like pointing the camera in the wrong way because I was like no I want you to go left and he was just kind of like going okay I shall sidestep to the right I'm like no that's not what I wanted you to do yeah I think it was just 
I don't know, it just didn't feel as smooth or as as exciting as I remembered it. Um, but I did really love it the first time around, so I don't know if it's just switching to easy mode, whether I just I didn't have that challenge that I had before. But yeah, I kind of I cooled down on the combat quite a bit, which surprised me actually. I, I still like the combat. It's but I noticed on my second playthrough, it's something that I appreciated more the deeper into the game it got, like the more things started to unlock and mm. when you, you add the, the Blades of Chaos bringing them back out and adding a secondary combat style, things you can switch, it gets more nuanced as you progress, but initially, Cludgy, uh, Clud- is it Cludgy? Cludgy, yeah. Cludgy, yes. Cludgy yes. Clud- is, is right because I was missing a lot of stuff that when I was playing, I was going, why can't I do this yet? And, it's like, and I was getting a little frustrated that I couldn't do certain moves or that I couldn't like do certain like grabbing somebody and throwing them at somebody else things that I, <laughs> I knew I could do but it was things that you could, that happened later in the game when you start unlocking other moves and, and other weapons I, I did like it originally like straight away just because the leviathan axe is possibly like a top 10 weapon for me I just thought it was really satisfying to use and I, I do find it funny that uh, Marvel's Avengers tried to do the exact same thing with Mjolnir but completely fucked it up because they tried to change it just enough so it didn't look like they were copying god of war I thought i'm glad you got your avengers digging yeah it's been a while but yeah it's just there's such a you know easy target and they still whiffed it but yeah i, I love the leviathan axe so that the first time around that got me through the combat the appeal of that was carrying me through until things started to get more advanced and interesting but the second time around i was like i was just waiting just for the for the combat to open up to me but I did, I do, I do love the combat system. I think so there's a lot of nuance to it once you get you get deep into it. Uh, it's nice and complex. It is boring. It is a little boring and repetitive at first. But I do, I did really. I by the end of it, I, w- I was loving all the stuff. I will agree with Becky. Like, not necessarily the combat, but just traversal for Kratos is mm. awkward because because the guy's so fucking big. It it seems like hard to pilot him. But it shouldn't be that difficult. Like just being having to turn around, you have to press an entirely different button just to turn and face. You can't yes. just turn him around to face in the other direction. You have to press a button, and that that was weird to me. I thought that that got. I never used that in a fight. I just I just get hit in the back until I could like eventually See, get to I, the guy. I kept using it by accident, so I'd be fighting something, and then hit it, and be like, what? no turn back around and then forget how to turn back around so there's like there's definitely at least one fight where kratos was just like spinning on the spot because i couldn't figure out how to get him back around the right way <laughs> see that mechanic i never liked that mechanic the quick turn because it just used to throw me because yeah. it is so quick compared to yeah. how he moves anyway it's insane so i would quick. just like yeah i would just roll and then wait until like dodge the attacks until i was facing the way i wanted to be yeah. facing yeah yeah that's all i did i just yeah I refused like, to well, use it you do the sidestep until he's done like the full 360. <laughs> yeah, you do like the barrel oh, roll like to the side. Just keep doing that until you're, you're on the other end side of the screen, but you're at least you're first in the right way. <laughs> I just felt like I, could, I tried to rationalize that. Is it, you know, Kratos is a big guy. His knees are probably shot to shit at this point in his life. <laughs> I'll just, if, he, if this is the most comfortable way for him to get around, fine. It did kind of make me think of uh, Arthur Morgan in Red Dead Redemption 2. He he moves very clunky compared to some Rockstar characters, but I took that as him a big lumbering kind of yeah. star person. It was just, you know, I just kind of, it's slow, but I just kind of rationalise it as a character thing rather than just being, it's not, that's not really what it is, but I can rationalise it so I can still enjoy it. Mm. 
No, I get that. Yeah, I think I'm in I'm in line with that, I think. I think I I did kind of wonder if they made it a bit like that to kind of cuz yeah, Kratos is a big beefy boy, so I kind of thought they kind of made him a bit lumbering in a way. Well, I liked the combat. I um I found it very challenging when I first started playing it and actually the whole whole first time I played through the entire game because it seems like it's been influenced. It feels a bit soulsy um because mm. it's a lot harder than you know, you're just running through people with the, the Blades of Chaos and just, yeah, running through them without any trouble. This is more considered, I think. I think, like Andy said, there's there's nuances and tactics to apply to what enemies you have around you and, you know, what powers are best and how best to make the use of the space that you've got and the fact that you can't turn around properly unless you do the quick <laughs> turn, which makes you just feel sick anyway. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I... Um, definitely got stuck a few times on some of the fights and even just when it's just a normal squishies when there's lots of them and there's different types and stuff like that there was a lot of trial and error and when I played it on easy this time around to get through it for the pod I did have a much more enjoyable time with it because except when it came to the Valkyries because they can get too fuck oh, still absolutely really hard oh my yes yeah fuck off I easy mode on like, Valkyrie is like hard mode on everything else it's awful. Fuck them. I hate them. I, I tried to do it this time around. I did try. I killed like four or five of them. And then there was one that was like in, uh, I can't remember the name of the world. It's the one that's got all like the gas that you have to sort of get through and grind uh, to get enough points to get the armor to get all the way through it. Yeah. When I found out there was one in there, I was nah, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about any of those. I don't anymore. think I ever fuck went to that Fuck off. I, I, oh. I avoided that world, especially the second time around. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I just played straight through the story. Yeah, I did that the second time around. Apart from, I again, I thought, no, I can do the Valkyries on easy mode. And then I killed one and was like, okay, I killed one. I did better than last time. Never mind. <laughs> I didn't uh, even kill one. Yes, you have to kill one, don't you? You have to kill the first one to get through the game. Yeah, yeah. No, and to, no, you have to kill them to unlock the rest of the Valkyries, I think, don't you? Yeah, because I, I, yes. I never killed one. No, I, I tried on easy mode, died, and went, you know what? I'm not going to be embarrassed like this. <laughs> but you don't away. have to kill that first one to get... No. no, that's entirely optional. You don't have to go in that room No, because I didn't I didn't kill oh. her in the first Did one. Did you just waste a lot of time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I need, I'm sorry. I need, to go, I need to go and tell MC this right now because he's going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, that God. was not an essential story beat. No. <laughs> well, now they can just fuck off even more as far as I'm concerned. I feel like that was your fault. You, you <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Well, I know that now. You should have at least tried to walk away like I did. You know what? <laughs> Like yeah, sure. I was just like, I'm just going to keep going, you know? I thought we... Uh... One of the things I did notice as well with the um, the combat this time around, and I think it's because I was almost like speed running it to play it for the podcast, ironically, because we had to delay recording of this episode. But I found like some of the, the kind of the, you know, big chunky bosses, like the kind of mini bosses, that combat was so repetitive. And like every single finish for like the the giant, the ogre types, was the same. Um, yeah. And I thought a lot more thought could have got into that side of things. Just to vary it up a bit, because, you know, there's only so many times you can see Kratos, like, land a rock on something's head before it becomes like, yeah, well done, yay. Yeah. You know, you just... He, he found something it... that works and he just does it. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, <laughs> no, like, it, you know, it all was, the detail, was... the attention to detail elsewhere in the rest of the game is so focused and yeah it just it felt lazy yeah i i was noticed at a certain detail like in the first fight with balder when he when kratos gets hit he falls like different depending on how he was hit it wasn't just a standard drop like he'd, he'd fall different 
mm. like and I thought that was really interesting it made me it made me it immersed me in the fight a lot more I, I tried my best to, not to get hit because I was playing easy mode I did not want to die to my first big fight but yeah <laughs> that was just a nice attention to detail it's just a shame that like you say the like the ogre finishes like some of the some of the smaller character like mobs that they had several different finishes depending on context but yeah. the boss characters had like one and that's a shame i'm hoping ragnarok like because it's going to be a ps5 game it, they expand that a little bit give us a bit more variety in the kills yeah same i just think it's that it's that kind of thing that you know it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make or break a game but it's just that kind of uh immersion aspect i guess like you know if you know yeah. exactly how he's going to finish it, you're just going to switch off at the end of the fight. You know, there's not going to be any satisfaction in in felling yet another one of those ogres by dropping rock on the head, which is a shame. Yeah, I, I'm, I was thinking of uh, Middle-earth Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. Like, when you do an execution on, a, like, an Uruk, it'd be, there'd be a lot of variety in how exactly yes. he was going to, like, slice or dice, like, stick a knife in a skull or something like that right through the job there was just a lot of variety and you, you never knew what you were going to get so even though there was a lot of repetition they mixed it up enough where you didn't really it didn't really get in the way it wasn't like obvious to you so, but yes they could have yeah. been he could have he could have decapitated a couple of ogres in between the head smashing things and that that would have been probably enough for me to like yeah, not exactly. draw attention to it exactly oh shadow of mordor combat ah that was great um anyway we're not talking about that game <laughs> But yeah, so I th- I think you know there there are elements like that that I found on this go around that weren't quite so impactful. This is probably I've got another kind of criticism, I guess. I don't know if it's the combat necessarily, but it is the kind of the RPG element, the like a gear element. I thought mm. it was a bit arbitrary. Like I I hit a point where I just had the gear that some gear that I liked. And I never really upgraded it. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd only be doing the only things I'd be changing is adding like special moves to my arsenal and giving um, Atreus different summons and stuff like that. I do love that Atreus can do summons. That's we haven't really talked about Atreus like in combat. That now. is very true, actually. Atreus, yeah, I do like Atreus in the combat. It adds an interesting in, extra element. Yeah, in, in the development of the game, they had a lot of issues of Atreus in combat with the um, game testers. He kept getting bad notes on how he was he was just kind of getting in the way. He was very standard, like, companion in a game. They, they didn't see what the point, what he was contributing to the fight. I did like what they did with Atreus. Uh, early on, it's very much like you have to do all the work yourself. You have to press a button mm. to make him do it. But as the game goes on and your bond, the character's bond is growing, Atreus takes things on initiative a little bit more, which yes. I, I kind of like. I like that he, he, he knows to do something instead of just following your commands that was a nice that was a nice evolution of their relationship and just making things a little easier on you while you've got like 12 dozen fucking moves and different <laughs> positions to like memorize <laughs> in a fight side steps to do and quick turns yeah. to avoid i really liked that uh, i'd get like a boss or like a semi-boss down to really low health and just slowly kill him with atreus's arrows that was always <laughs> quite fun while i'm just like backing off and dodging their attacks there was something quite satisfying about that. Felt like I was bonding with my yeah, son. Give give him the big finish, yeah. So yeah. Give him a confidence boost. Yeah, um, I think as well, like just to sort of return to the point in line with the trace, actually, about how he develops through the combat. 
I actually found, like, you know, I, I could have... I, I would have liked a few more of the special moves a bit earlier on. Um, I And I do wonder if that, like... Uh, although, I, I don't know if there was any saving Sasha's opinion in this, but I don't know if, like, if the <laughs> combat was a bit more thrilling at first. Yeah. With Atreus and with, um, you know... Oh, with Kratos, whether that would have changed things. They do hold off for a long... Well, I didn't realise how long it takes for you to get... Start to unlock all these things. It, yeah, it's a, it's a, a really weirdly long, long amount of time for such a relatively short game. It's not like a massive game. It, it takes a while for you to really start to get to grips with everything. And frankly, yeah. and that, and that's, it does not make yeah. sense. Right? He is the god of war. He should be yeah. Norse John Wick. <laughs> and, and instead you have to build him up and his shitty child sorry <laughs> revealing my feelings about that early on god i hated that kid he's yeah to be fair in the, in the bit of the game that you were playing he is very yeah. annoying it gets better but yeah <laughs> that's going to be a recurring theme we just keep saying it gets better it honest, does please get, believe but, us. You, but uh, andy's <laughs> but totally we're not right. we don't it's, want you to play it like, no, no, I'm, I'm absolutely. Oh, no, no matter amount, it, it, it wouldn't matter even if you wanted me to play it. Um, <laughs> oh God, no. No, I don't know. When you look at the skill trees and stuff for what you can unlock, it's like this makes no sense. He should just be able to do this. Like, yeah, it should be more like upgrading your gear and stuff as you go along would make more sense than upgrading him and his skills, given yeah. where he is in his life. I think they do try and kind of reposition it in that he's um like he kind of left violence and stuff behind he kind of you know he became like the house husband essentially but they don't labor that point enough i think because you come in at the point of his wife's death you don't see what he's been up to and it just launches straight back into him you know fighting etc i do think they they lose a lot of that kind of implication that you know he has gone to seed a bit he isn't quite what he was but yeah, you're right. It is weird that a demigod would not immediately have like a full arsenal of abilities to call on. That um, like yeah, that thing you said about uh, him being kind of out of, or putting the path, like violence behind him being a bit like rusty. It takes a while for the story to even get into that. Like yeah. like you said, that they didn't. They have to kind of backtrack a little bit, partway into the story, because like initially it kind of made me think of Unforgiven, like that the. the the man mm. of violence who's like put it all behind him for a family being pulled back into it by others but in in unforgiven clint eastwood like just lays waste to a bar full of people like he's, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. always been it's always been there he just keeps it like buried down it, it would make sense if he like because kratos in the story he he's discarded the blades of chaos for the time being it makes sense if he was a little rusty in that regard but he's had the leviathan axe the entire time it feels like something he should. He, I mean, he's good with it, but it feels like why wasn't he at least practicing stuff? Because there's obviously a lot of weird shit out there in those woods <laughs> that he'd have to fight. Yeah, because there's lots of references to how like um, the humans have left, and there's the like weird forces invading the various things. Because it's obviously all building up to Ragnarok, which is way more apparent now that Ragnarok is the sequel and is coming out. It's a lot of stuff I picked up on in the story, but. There doesn't, I don't know, I found the story itself really slow this time. And I don't, I I thought maybe it was because I'd already played it. So I knew kind of where the big beats were. 
but it seems to take so long to get to any kind of the meat of the the father-son relationship and you know Kratos is like you said leaving the past behind and also like the whole the Norse gods hunting him and wanting Atreus for some reason takes ages to appear even though Baldur's the first fight you have like it just it just seemed really like wheel spinning at first to kind of um, almost like a lengthy tutorial because once you get to a certain bit in the story it goes through the big stuff really really quickly a bit like horizon zero dawn there's lots of like sort of slow build-up and then suddenly it's like the game's like here are the themes and like whacks you over the head with it like kratos with a rock and yeah i think i think it's it's something that i wasn't aware of the first time round. i think because i was getting used to the world but um a bit like the combat things i kind of just wanted to get to the meat of the story um and aside from that absolutely heartbreaking moment where Kratos can't even touch his son there's very little to latch onto at the beginning of the story I do remember the first time I played like I was just along for the ride like I didn't know what was going to happen next so every turnaround was really exciting it kept me going second time around I kind of noticed that the stories like it initially starts it's more personal and a lot more low stakes for Kratos compared to all of his other games Mm. He just want he just wants to take his son up a mountain basically, but he's getting <laughs> pulled into the like the machinations of the god like fucking, they just won't leave him alone. He he just wants a nice quiet life, a nice trip up a hill, and they just won't fucking stop. And just the, it, taking so long to get going feels like it's just Kratos resisting, resisting uh, an interesting just way. all the chaos of the world around him. He's just like no, let's just keep going. And every time he thinks he's gonna make a little bit of headway, some supernatural cunt like just throws a spanner in the works <laughs> knocks just like every time you think okay this this is the path to get me to uh jordenheim this is it and then like balder will come, come and smash up smash the door down or something like that and you go okay right this is just getting yeah he's just he just wants to be left alone and it just keeps getting out of hand at a certain point he's like right fuck this we're gonna have to take care of this now come on son i mean come on boy <laughs> boy yeah i mean i i know like chip we're like just thinking you're you're probably the only other one who can comment on the story like this far along. So yeah, I was wondering how you know, how do you feel about the story and kind of how it develops and you know, thrown to you for that. I really like it. I like the slow opening. I like that it, I will apologize now and just to pull the fourth wall back a bit. Is that right? Who cares? Obviously I played this a couple of months ago for the pod and I made a shit ton of notes and then managed to lose them all by accidentally deleting it i think um. uh so i did have some very in-depth notes on this so i apologize because my memory is awful so i might miss some things but as a general thing <laughs> i yeah i really liked the slow opening because i thought it was a really nice kind of transition from you know the previous settings of the games to where we are now from greek mythology to norse and just kind of taking it all in and kind of learning where Kratos is now and his relationship with his son like obviously you get that from the start and maybe it takes a little while for that to get more in depth but I did really like the setting of it and kind of just setting up this world this new place this new game and yeah as Andy said until people keep trying to fuck shit up (laughs) and Kratos has enough it definitely falls into a lot of those video game kind of traps where it's like okay to get to this thing you have to go and get this thing mm. first but this thing's stuck behind there and you have to talk to this person first but they're trapped over there so you have to go to help them <laughs> but also there's 700 side quests to do first yeah so i think there's definitely that sort of issue 
but it was never something I I never felt it lag. It never lagged for me. I I was there with it the whole time, and I liked the slow build, and I I quite like the way it kind of ramps up as well towards the end. Yeah, I I I feel like I'm being really down on it, which I I don't intend to be because I absolutely love like what the story does. In terms yeah, of the, you're being down on it. the themes and like I, I think in terms of addressing the kind of toxic masculinity of the old games yes. via the story of the new one is such a, a masterstroke of storytelling that you know I can forgive the the slow build and and I do think part of it was just that I was desperate to get to all the the meaty stuff and yeah. that's not yeah. necessarily a fault of the game that's just. That's just me being impatient as a gamer and knowing that, you know, we were going to get to the, like, you know, Atreus being an absolute shit um, and being really <laughs> arrogant. And then you've got um, Kratos having to kind of, like, talk him back down from being like, yes, you are, are a god, but you're not invincible. Stop being such a little dickhead. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk up more about that part of the story. I think that yeah. was a really, they really handled that really well. Yes. Because, like, Kratos was keeping so much from atreus like keeping the tr- his true nature hidden and it was eating atreus up inside just the uncertainty of all it but it manifested in a physical illness yeah and so kratos like he literally had to just walk into hell to help his son but that wasn't really the interesting metaphor of the whole thing it was him having to embrace his past like it's symbolized by the blades of chaos mm-hmm. um just bits honesty being like an integral part of any good relationship especially between a father and a son. If if he wants his son to turn out okay, he needs to be honest and open with him. And that's something Kratos had a hard time doing. When you get the, fl- like some, not quite flashbacks, but when Kratos walked into the light and started hearing Atreus talking to his dead mother, mm. and you could hear Atreus saying things like, he never, he's never here, he never listens to me like you, uh, I wish... I wish it was you and not him, things like that. You could, you sent, you got a sense of their relationship before all this. Kratos was very kind of coiled up because he had a lot of things he was trying to keep from Atreus. And it felt like um, Fear was the one doing a lot of the emotional heavy lifting in raising Atreus. She was the one that was there to like, listen to him and like respond to him. And Kratos couldn't do that. Yeah. He, he was keeping a lot to himself and finally being able to embrace who he was and be open with Atreus that was the first step to like fixing Atreus but it did initially go completely tits up because Atreus just he he went through a real rebellious phase (laughs) very very quickly (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think I messaged you I remember messaging you I was around or Becky at one point during that's been like I hate Atreus at this moment. Yeah. He's so annoying. Yeah. And I think it's But understandably. Yeah, and I think it's because it's so recognizable as well as anyone who's ever been like that kind of pre teenager angry. Like mm-hmm. you you know, when your parents you start to feel like your parents are you know, you realise they're not infallible and you're picking up on their faults and you know yeah. you suddenly realise, you know, why are they the moral arbiters of everything that i do when they're doing things wrong as well and you do go through that phase of "Ah, i hate everything and that felt like one of the most human moments of the game was that atreus atreus just found this like nugget of truth in their relationship and just ran with it (laughs) really really (laughs) like in completely the wrong direction and kratos had no way of really reeling him in because kratos's whole thing is just anger and violence and like he didn't know how to 
how to pull him back in from that. And he just what he was just watching helplessly as Atreus just kept like spiralling down. Like when he um, murdered, was it Modi? Modi yes. or Mag? Modi. Yeah, that was. Yeah, Modi, not Magni. Yeah, Magni's Modi was, already yeah. dead. Yeah. Magni was. He, yeah, Mag- Magni's death was fucking brutal as well. But yes. Modi's death was like chilling to me. Like just watching this, I couldn't blame the kid necessarily, but you knew he was. He was crossing a line that I you were initially worried he wasn't going to be able to come back from. Yeah. It was really disturbing to watch. It's also hard to see as well because when uh, Atreus finds out that he's, you know, part god, he has all these questions and he's really excited about initially, like he's asking, you know, can we fly and do all this other kind of stuff? And you can see Kratos, he's desperately trying to protect him from becoming him yeah and how just how he that power corrupted him and sent him off the deep end and the person he was for such a long time and you i I love that just kind of slow burn although it is quite quickly but like (laughs) you can just see atreus like coming to terms with the fact that he's got this power and what it could mean and then there's a line isn't there something about how they're better than everyone else because yeah we're better than everyone else yes and oh man you can just almost hear like Kratos's heartbreak at that moment. Yeah. There, there's another line that Kratos gave. Th- this was the one that really crushed me. Like um, when Atreus says, "Like I- I'm a god like you," and he says um, something like, "No, you have to be better than me." Um, yeah. That's something that I, I I really feel now. Now that I've got a, a son, that's like it. It was a it was a powerful line that became up, but now it's like really, oof, just like the responsibility of raising this little little boy and making sure he doesn't inherit any of my worst parts the worst parts of me and hoping Mm. he becomes better than me and i can just shape him into being the kind of person i'd want to send out into the world and that kratos's whole thing there was that that really got to me like just in in, even in hindsight i was just like yeah that when i reread the line that in my notes it just kind of sank in my chest i was like yeah, I, I I get that. And I think um, just going back to the the actual walk through hell that Kratos has to do. So that's a really common thing in it's a it's a big thing in Greek mythology, like a a journey into hell to save a family member. It's in um, the Odyssey when Telemachus, Odysseus's son, has to travel into hell to talk with all the Trojan heroes to try and find out what's happened to his father. If I remember correctly, it's been a while. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> we can Google it afterwards. Just, you know. Um, but... I mean, that's also Andy listening to me talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, when, it, when I had heard the word Odyssey and like, I just started hearing like circus music in my head really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like the actual Homer. The actual Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah, the actual Odyssey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's called, uh, I think this. it's like six books and it's called the Telemachy where he, he does this big journey. So I thought it was really interesting that... In transplanting this, Kratos gets to have his own kind of telemachy in that he journeys into the underworld, in this case, hell. But he has to confront the version of himself to do it. And there's that gorgeous sequence where he walks back to the house to get the Blades of Chaos. And everything is black and white and red. And like just that colour contrast and like the, you know, you have the, the really dark and moody Bear McCreary score happening in the background it's just such a great moment of gravity within the rest of the story of just how much he's prepared to give 
to save Atreus. I, and I think that's where the, the story really shifts in terms of their relationship. When you see him undergo this trip to hell, um, this very kind of heroic, epic, traditional, you know, hero's journey in that sense, even though he's not a hero, he's he's not any by any stretch considered a hero, but he's prepared to do that for his son. Um, and the game frames it so beautifully with that colour um, palette. And like, is it a... It encounters a fiend, or isn't it, at his doorway of the cabin? And she's yes. like talking to him about how he's a monster mm-hmm. and he can't hide who he really is. And Kratos doesn't rebuke that. He's very yeah. honest about who he was. It feels and, like a real moment. But it doesn't moment. matter. Yeah. Yes. A real moment of catharsis, of, of kind of acknowledging that, yes, I've done bad things, but hiding it isn't helping. Um, confronting it hasn't helped, but actually embracing it and moving forward in a way that is difficult as symbolized by the journey into hell but also for a positive cause changes that trajectory that he's on and in turn will change Atreus's trajectory too it's just a really really clever way of kind of bringing all of the like the mythology themes the family themes all of it just kind of into this big like squishy ball in the middle and yeah I, I like for all my other issues with the game that have cropped up like i will forever love it just for that sequence and how it embraces tradition in that way yeah. i'm just getting goosebumps thinking about that scene again yeah like, i just love that bit so much when when you first get that hint that he's going back for it as well ooh. yeah and and like even as someone who's not attached to the original games it was like oh this is a moment yeah <laughs> you, you knew because like they spent it was built up to be a big deal, even if you've got no attachment to the Blades of Chaos. Like old, the the like OG fans of the series are going to be, it's going to be a big deal for them. But you knew it was a big deal because of what it represented yeah. in the story. So you didn't have to have any real attachment to those other games. You you knew him bringing these blades out. It meant something, and that, yeah. that's what pulled me in. And I just, I want to talk about the, the use of mythology elsewhere. So I know I did my literary nerdy diversion, but one of my absolute favourite bits of the game is Mimir, who we all love. Um, I don't think Sasha got to Mimir, which is such a shame. Yeah, he's quite far in the game. But um, honestly, like my favourite thing to do in this game is just ride around in the boats listening to Mimir tell the story of all the um, yep. the gods, the Norse mythology. Um, and it's such a really neat bit of world building in the background of you know everything it doesn't it's not essential you don't need it for the story but it's just a really rich like texture behind everything if the game was just sat in a boat with Mimir listening to him tell stories I would still give it 10 stars yeah. I would give it more stars <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cut out all the other stuff get to the meat <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I love Mimir like he's, he's such a it's just a great component that it feels weird to play the game before he arrives. Now. Yes. You feel like, yes. Where, where's Mimir? I need him, Blake. Because yep. he, yep. he contributes so much to like the world building and just helping you. Just he, He's a great way of giving hints of what you need to do in a level without it feeling weird. Because Kratos isn't a problem solver unless the problem is how to smash someone's skull open. And Atreus yeah. is just a small boy. He's very clever, and he, there are some parts where Atreus just instinctively knows what to do. But there are some more. There are parts of this world that they can't possibly understand, and Mimir's there to help. Yes, it's and I really think as well, um, he adds such an emotional intelligence. You know, you were talking about how Freya did a lot of the emotional heavy lifting 
before her death with Atreus and, and bringing him yeah. up. Mimir kind of adds that level. Uh, you know, when Atreus is going through his dickhead phase, Mimir is the first to spot it and to say, yeah. you need mm. to rein this in. Like, you, this is going to get out of control if you don't deal with this. And it's a really neat way of signposting kind of their relationship just by having Mimir's kind of Jiminy Cricket stream of consciousness in the background um, <laughs> kind of guiding Kratos into like a decent facsimile of fatherhood. Yeah, I agree completely. He's, he's, he just adds so much to that, that dynamic that it was because a, a lot of the, a lot of the game up to that point until Mimir arrives, it's about what they're not saying to each other. Yeah. Like Kratos just can't, he can't touch his son when his son's feeling like emotional. He, he can't, all he can say is boy. He can, he can, he knows how to tell him not to do something, but he doesn't know how to open up to him or like tell him how he's feeling. Even praise him, yeah. yeah like, mm. like, like, yeah, Treyas could do something right, but Kratos doesn't know how to broach that. I mean, I've kind of got experience in that with my own dad, but so <laughs> just sometimes it's easier to criticize or just like tell you to stop doing something than it is to just warm i guess like it's, yeah. it's especially hard for yeah. kratos because he's just he spent most of his life hating his old family like his entire that entire life before him was just built on like loss and rage and just violence and mm. he doesn't know like he's still, even this deep in and his son's like approaching being a teenager at this point and his wife is now dead he's still not quite un- worked out how to live properly yeah. He didn't know how to have that life. And you're right as well in terms of, you know, telling him not to do stuff. Kratos is so focused on Atreus not following his path that he doesn't know how to positively steer him elsewhere. He just knows to put up blockers. Um, yeah. And we all know that that's, that's like the exact opposite thing to do to a child. You know, the second you put blockers up, you make something to be, you make something more exciting to try and push those boundaries which is what you see with Atreus like even before he gets sick he's desperately trying to work out where the path is by just kind of ricocheting across the barriers that um, Kratos has put up it's so heartbreaking to see those moments as well because you just you just literally scream at the scene it's like just hug your damn son yeah. for god's sake be vulnerable with him for the yeah, love of god just be nice and like <laughs> yeah. that scene where, like where he can't touch his shoulder like, oh. It breaks my damn heart every time because yeah. it's like it's every so easy time. to be affectionate. I like it's so e- and he, there's just obviously Kratos has never had that experience himself, so his learned behavior is stand off, you know, yeah, say negative stuff and it'll be better. Yeah, it's thing the whole the only time he touches someone is if he's going to like break their spine. He's mm. he's not he doesn't know how to touch someone like tenderly. Like, yeah he's so big and strong like it's not what he was built to do and he doesn't understand it and it, it, it's to the detriment of Atreus because like once he starts spiraling he has no connection to humanity at that point because he's never he's he's not feeling it from his own father he's just he, he's under what he's getting is that gods are better bigger than other people and don't have to show kindness to others mm, which kind of yeah. manifests in how he treats the dwarves whenever you meet them especially uh which one is it? It's not Brock. Uh, Cinder? Uh, yeah. Sindri? Sindri. Yeah. yeah. It, he's, he's so... I love the dwarves. <laughs> needle, he's just so <laughs> needlessly cruel to him, like, because he's immortal in his eyes and, like, lesser than him. Yeah. And he's really just 
It's just oh, it hurts. even Kratos sees that it's just too much. Like this is just Kratos has been around a lot of cruel gods, so he kind of recognizes this behavior, and it, it's really yeah not sitting well with him. And I think like uh, I guess spoiler warning. Because I don't think we can talk about kind of Atreus' trajectory at this point without pointing out who he really is. So. Yeah, there's no way of doing it. it. Fucking Ragnarok's coming out soon. Like, you know, anyone who's yeah. listening to this will have to. Yeah. Know, they'll but, probably already be aware of it. But spoiler segue Atreus is Loki, <laughs> which sets up some really interesting dynamics for what might happen. Obviously, Loki is as. Gods go, Loki is the greyest of the morally grey. And I'm talking traditionally speaking, not the Tom Hiddleston not the version. Marvel, no. Yeah. <laughs> but he is... I, I want to see if they bring out the more trickster side of, of him, because Atreus isn't really a trickster in this. There's not kind of that playful element, probably because he's been brought up by Kratos, um, who wouldn't know a joke if it smacked him in the face. <laughs> hey, he tries to tell a joke at one point. At one point, and it fails. <laughs> <laughs> he tells a really funny version of um, the tortoise and the hare without meaning to. Yes. <laughs> he's a re- he's really funny and he doesn't know it. Yeah, because he's he's so like dead dead straight. Very pragmatic and logical and like just strategic. In it, mm. he, he doesn't know how to deploy metaphor properly. <laughs> it's all very it's all very got to be broken down logically for him. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, so I want to, I like, I want to know how do you react to the Loki reveal? Because I like, I full on swore at the TV, like I knew he was going to be someone, but I assumed he would be a Greek someone. So when he was Loki, I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> and I'm really sorry, Sasha, you didn't get to experience that. Oh, I'm fine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she read it in a way. Oh yeah, I was going to say yeah. <laughs> you read it afterwards, like. No, it's I cool. know, but. Oh. It's not like she's going to play Ragnarok, so it doesn't... No, yeah, matter. but it's very true. <laughs> We're not going to make you play Ragnarok, don't worry. <laughs> you could try. You would not be successful. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you die trying then. Yeah. So probably, probably. It was a big... like. I, I liked how... Ca- like Not casually, but like they didn't like make it a big boom, boom, mm. boom reveal. It's like just... It just kind of came out, and you're like, wait, what, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> try to like, and you try to keep up with what was going because you do a feel like there's quite an emotional catharsis building to them getting to the top of the mountain, and then this happened. You're like, wait, what? I, I thought the game was over. What's happening now? What? <laughs> yeah. It's like I thought the story was done, but apparently no. There's more story to tell. Like I genuinely thought before we got to the Loki reveal that this was the last God of War story, basically. Yes. But then this happened. I went, oh no. Oh no! I knew they were hinting at Ragnarok <laughs> coming, but I thought that I didn't know they were going to actually deal with it. And then it's just like, oh shit! Oh, okay, okay. Some some that stuff is happening. Oof. Yeah, my face was like the you know the gif of the woman with all the math symbols appearing above <laughs> her. That was me at that point because it was just like, what what does this mean then? Because like, what? Wait, he's the son, but then he's is he Thor's brother still? And like, my mind was just like trying to figure it all out and just where it was going to go and. Yeah, I love I love the drip feed as you're just learning about that as they go along. I think that's a lovely moment. Yeah, where you see you're seeing the the carvings and the paintings on the wall. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is lovely. And then she she called you Loki, and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think I immediately messaged Andy. It was like, oh my god. Yeah, I'd be, I was sat there just like every time like I knew Becky was playing, I'd be sitting around waiting because I knew she was getting close. I was just waiting <laughs> for the, the moment to drop. 
Yeah, it's such a good... And like you say, it's just so casually thrown in. Um, it's really like the perfect cliffhanger of, yeah, you thought this was done, but the Atreus has got this whole journey to go on that, you know... Oh, God, yeah. Just... And he's, is he going to turn on Kratos at some point? This is, is that what I'm really worried about, because that's the yeah, prophecy, the, the, isn't it? The, the ah. thing on the wall, yeah, the, um, the painting on the wall of the, the stuff that was still to come, it doesn't necessarily show that Loki's turned on Kratos, but it shows Kratos, like, dying in his yeah. arms. Yeah. And yeah, but the, the <laughs> thing is, is that Kratos is already covered in the dust of his previous dead family. So what's he going to do if he has to fight and kill his own son but, this time? Like, <laughs> But you see, but that's, I, I mean, because obviously uh, Kratos kills Zeus. Are we going to talk about, you know, is there a self-perpetuating cycle of, of sons killing fathers or... Uh, you know, my theory is that Kratos and Atreus will find a way to break that cycle. That's that's the interesting so. thing because you know, in, when Kratos finally, I mean, we'll have to talk about Baldur at some point, maybe next. Oh. But when Kratos kills Baldur, he's very much emphasising that the cycle of violence has to end here. Like yeah, you can't, ha- you can't you can't have Baldur kill his mother because it's not going to stop. It's just going to keep. Yeah, people are just going to keep dying for this. So he needs to put a stop to it, even if it's going to make him a mortal enemy for life. He has to put a stop to Baldur's. Oh, haven't you even talked about her? Yeah, oh, I, I, the, we can't not talk about Baldur and uh, Freya. Freya, yeah, yeah, Freya. I get mixed up with Faye and Freya. Oh yeah, I yeah, think Freya. I've been saying Freya when I meant Faye. Yeah. Yeah. So down, any reference to Freya that I've made before now, guys, it's Faye. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just say Freya and I'll go back and put it in on the edit thank you Faye Freya. not Freya <laughs> <laughs> perfect no one will ever know <laughs> um, yeah I'd love Freya I'd love Freya as a character and I'd love the um, the parallels between her relationship with Balder and Kratos and Atreus because she goes the complete opposite way um, whereas Kratos is very you have to be self-sufficient you have to you know, I cannot coddle you in any way. She goes the exact opposite and is like, no, I will make you immortal and unharmed and you won't feel anything forever. And it's totally fine. And it's actually the worst thing she could have done um, in that circumstance. And oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, Boulder turned out to be a lovely little boy? I mean, to be fair, most of his family are complete cunts. So it's hard yeah. to tell if it's a nature versus nurture thing, but I don't think it helped. Because it didn't help his sense of empathy, not being able to feel, mm. like the, the phys- not being able to feel physically. It kind of it rotted him. You know, he couldn't feel anything for people. He couldn't feel. He could feel a lot for himself. He had lots of big emotions, but he couldn't feel anything for other people. That they, they, they didn't matter to him because he couldn't even feel his own, own hands like breaking their necks and stuff. It doesn't. It didn't register him. It's nothing. It's, mm. it's, it's a complete sociopath. Like it's. He, he was devoid of all the elements of humanity that keep us like sane and safe to be around yeah. the things that Kratos was worried that Atreus was going to lose touch of. He was like the the dark possibilities of Atreus basically once he knew he was a god but Kratos mm-hmm. was, he, he pulled it together whereas Freya was insistent that she was doing the right thing and she didn't change course on how she was going to treat Balder no matter yeah. how off the rails he got the fucking whack job <laughs> and she is not too happy by the end of that game. No. Oh boy She's going to be pissed to come back in the rock. Yeah, she really is. But I do think... Uh, my my personal theory is that she'll come round. I, I think she'll end up being an ally because of who 
the bigger enemies will be in that game. I hope so. I don't want her to be so driven by revenge and anger, you know, much like Kratos himself. That yeah, you feel like you can talk him out of it. Her? Yeah. I hope so. I really hope so, because I love their relationship as well. Like, the fact that they are so ideologically opposite when it comes to <laughs> child rearing. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, they they just have such a really interesting dynamic. And, it, yeah, I'm really sad they ended up enemies because I liked them together. I'm I'm not gonna be able to handle it if Atreus, Freya, and a fucking Mimir turn on Kratos oh. and become the bad guys. You remember Mimir's just gonna be in a boat. He's gonna like, you know what? I'm not gonna tell you any more stories. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. I'll, I'll be the full on like what a heel Darth turn. Vader. To... <laughs> like, no. oh. It's a heel, heel turn, much like Kratos's. <laughs> yeah, it's a heel turn hey. someone of no heels. <laughs> hey. hey. Just fire them out now, guys. I, I didn't even have that one written down. I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I did feel bad for Balder at a certain point. Well, not completely because he was a scary psycho, but he he was when you when you both got trapped in hell and you could see him like confronting his own demons. Yeah. Like how how angry and hurt and like betrayed he felt. Like you can understand where Freya was coming from. She was just terrified of this really cruel and dangerous world swallowing up her son. But yeah. he, he just, he didn't have a say in the matter. She just took that choice away from him. He, he he wanted to be mortal. He wanted to feel things. He wanted to just just live. And she just took that away from him completely and refused to change course on any of it. So, like, all, the only way he could see around getting any kind of catharsis, like any kind of closure, was just to kill his own mother. Mm. I, I, I get all that. I completely understand and everything. I'm really glad the cunt's dead. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad he's dead. Yes. Like, it was a it was a great death scene. I was really uh, happy. Like snow. It's like, uh. Yeah, it's such a good final line for him because it does it does let you know that Ragnarok is coming because the uh, the Thimble Winter's starting. Yeah. But also, it's just it reminds you that he can finally feel something, and what he's feeling is cold because he's dying. Yeah. <laughs> but the release. Really, like, well, I think. Um, it it's was Jeremy released, Davis, yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah the, Jeremy the Davis. He's so good. That he puts into that one word is just amazing. Like, just that release of oh, I can feel something, and it's the last thing he's gonna feel before he dies. Yeah, because he's so like loathsome and like theatrical for a lot of the game. Like, he's just he's got nothing, so he's just kind of playing up to his own inflated superiority. Like, yeah, he, 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 no one can touch him. But now he's finally vulnerable. He just feels. Relieved, yeah. Peace, yeah. And I, I think as well, it's what saves him from being a very, very, very one-note villain. Mm. I think, and the scene in Hell as well. You know, that it it strays into a tendency of making him almost too cartoonishly evil. And so I think you know the scene where he's confronting Freya in Hell, like the facsimiles of them, and then again, like that final scene, it stops him from being um, a just kind of one-note bad guy that you have to take down and really kind of emphasizes the themes of like you know how parents can corrupt their children even while they think they're doing the best for them yeah i think you i think you're right about like the they make some very clever choices to avoid him being there are times where he just shows up and he's like ah, i'm gonna fuck with your day like, <laughs> okay, just leave me alone what have i done like the more you get to understand him the more you kind of get to grips with his motivations and what he's trying to do and what's yeah. driving him, it makes him a lot more interesting. It's it's like what Cory Barlow got to do with Kratos after the 
first run of games with this one. He had to add thing, he had to flesh him out because he was very much just a big angry guy with swords, and like there was, that's all people wanted at the time. But by the time that the that end of that first series, people were getting bored of it, and they needed mm. something. They needed him to be a character rather than just an avatar for like kicking the shit out of people, basically. <laughs> Okay, so one thing that we haven't spoken about yet is the world of, of God of War in this one. You're obviously in the Nine Realms, or, well, is it four of them? I think, is it four or five? And the rest have been blocked off by Odin, so you can't get to them. So I'm looking forward to getting to those in Ragnarok, because that's obviously what's going to happen. So yeah, so I had a couple of issues with how the open world wasn't really open. But I'm interested to know, like, Sasha, you didn't explore that much of it, but how did you find it um, at the beginning of, of your experience in the game? Uh, <laughs> 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 Strap it, everyone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to have to say it gets better later on, but I'll just say it now. You can carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I don't know what else to say other than it looks like so everything I think of when I think of AAA games is this game. Everything I dislike about a AAA game that I've ever played, I think. So that's also, like, the environment is gorgeous um, in so much as, you know, for a PlayStation 4 game at the time. Like, you can't say they're not pretty, but also they're kind of samey. Like, all the environments I explored, it all looks like the same, just maybe with a bit more snow, depending on where you were walking. Like... <laughs> It was, which is fine. It, I don't know. I think, as we know, I was increasingly checked out on the game anyway, so yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to, you know, what I assume are maybe some of the more interesting and distinctive or prettier bits, and I can accept that. But I'm not going to lie, any screenshots I've seen, any clips I've seen, I still look and go, oh, it still looks all a bit samey. I don't know. I don't... Ugh. I don't think anything that I've seen of bits that I didn't play, I didn't look and go, oh, that looks nice and different. I just look and go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, yeah. I, I feel yeah. weird because I don't really know what else I'm supposed to say, so. Oh, no, no, like, I'm not, I, I don't expect you, you know, I think, like, I do think you raise a valid point in terms of the sameness of some of the environments like they get skinned differently but there are a few i think hell it's like hell is very whether intentionally or not is quite dull and one note as an environment like the initial like spookiness of wandering through ghosts is kind of offset by the fact that you spend the rest of the level wandering through ghosts but it did have the really cool ship escape bit so that feels <laughs> I, like I also I also like that big about. fucking bird that's in the background. It's just there constantly. They don't draw attention to it. It's not relevant to the story. Mm. It's just there. I, I like that kind of world building where yeah. something can just be there. It doesn't need to be relevant or explained. It's one of those really annoying things that came from the post, like Cinema Sins and Red Letter Media, Critical Landscape, like the idea that everything you see should be serving the story. Why, If you introduce this thing... In Act 1, it should be doing something in Act 2. No, th that's not how places work. There's, there's streets in, th in this town I live in that I'll never walk down. It doesn't mean like they don't exist and they're not relevant or anything. They're just not relevant to me. I'm not going to walk down them, so why should I know anything about them? I don't need to know what numbers are on that street. It's fucking... It just it really annoys me when people 
like say, well, why didn't they do something with the bird or something? I know mm-hmm. I haven't seen many people say that, but it feels like something that someone would bring up. Say, well, I wanted something happen to cool with the bird. Like, no, it's just there. <laughs> Get over it. I so I'd like to, in relationship to to birds. I did enjoy that Hugin and Moonin, Odin's ravens, appear sporadically throughout the game. I didn't realize you could hit them with the axe at first. I just thought they were yes. a cool detail that Odin was following you around. But I, oh, I hit also, them all the, yeah. Yeah, but I just like that you could hit them with an axe and be like, "Fuck off, Odin," through the game. <laughs> <laughs> I also really love um, the sanctuary grove. Bring coming back to Freya, I thought that was really yes. Just it's after so you spend so much time like walking through snow and like just trees that are just stripped of all life, and then you come to the grove and there's all this color and a house on top of a ma- or underneath a massive fucking turtle. Yeah, it just it great. feels like a nice contrast to everything that's been going on. It, it, I, that was one of the first times. I thought, Ooh, I, I was always thought, oh, these graphics are really good, especially like the one the unbroken shot, like aesthetic i thought they were doing a really good job of that there's the certain parts of the world where it's very obvious it's like a path that only exists as like a loading screen but overall i really like just the the general look and feel of the world but the sanctuary grove was the first time i really went ooh. yeah for me that was alfheim going to alfheim and seeing the the lake in alfheim i like i loved that and also just the the lake with yomagande in the centre of it, I thought that was great as well. The fact that he's yeah. just hanging out in the back <laughs> until you, you toot on the big horn <laughs> and speak to him. Yeah, Iris saw that. Like she came in the room while I was playing and saw this the big fucking snake. And I said, <laughs> "Ooh, who's that?" And I said, "Yeah, he's just hanging out, you know." Yeah, so I'm not going to bother him. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> just waiting for Thor. <laughs> I, I just love that he eats the Thor statue. <laughs> Yeah, he's so yeah. fucking angry. So petty, but brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that meme, I wake up extra in the morning to be a hater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? I do I do really? think the, like, the main issue with it, though, is the traversal of like, the fast travel. Yes, this is what I wanted to say yeah. as well. Go for it, Chip. Uh, I just had issues with the traversal. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Um, <laughs> For something that builds itself as like quite an open world game, I think I did find the navigation of stuff the most difficult thing, yeah. especially when it comes to finding or doing some of the side stuff. You know, like something like The Witcher is quite nice because it's a big open expanse that you can just sort of like get on your horse and travel to pretty much anywhere, unless you've got a boat and you can just, you know, piss about that way as well. But I found, because I found this time around, you know, obviously not playing it, I was playing it solo, not with my best friend. So it made it easier for I have more time just to dick about and float around in a boat and listen to Mimir's stories. And then I kind of find like, oh, this looks like this is the place where I want to go. But then is there a bridge there? Do I need to activate this lever? But I've got to drive the boat all the way around. And it wasn't necessarily the clearest thing. And I know a lot of people will like that. You know, they like the idea of not having lots of waypoints and stuff on a mini map and that sort of thing. But I, I still think a little more direction would be useful. Yeah. And that's probably my biggest criticism of the game i think is that is that yeah i think uh, the, the visual oh sorry i was just gonna say the visuals of the map as well like when you when you go to the the maps of the different worlds they're not clear at all i found it no they're very far away yeah very far away and also just like really busy there's a lot of detail on yeah. there which is lovely but you can't see what you're supposed to be doing yeah there's no clear way like direction that you can go is there yeah exactly i felt with the with the other realms that you go to, like I felt that they were a lot more linear than mm. like uh, Midgard. Yeah, Midgard. Yeah. Sometimes I would find myself wandering down a path, and then I wind up 
in like a, a side quest area. I'll say, like, oh, you should be collecting this to bring it back to one of the dwarves. Like, no, I don't want to. I'm trying to just play this fucking story. <laughs> Turn around and walk away. <laughs> so I want, like all the realm stuff, I, I felt it was nice and linear, direct. I could get the job done, come back to Midgard. Sometimes I'd get lost on the, the lake or like wandering a path. But most of the time, because I wasn't looking for side stuff, I tended to find myself in the right place. A lot of the time were spent would be like on that bridge or just on a little areas dotted around the bridge it was the main important stuff was kind of focused in generally the same places each time it was more they created this illusion of an open world game where, yeah. just, where really it was just paths leading somewhere else for like maybe a like a little side yeah. quest but that's the only function that path had it was just for a side quest so i could i found it quite easy to avoid because i wouldn't i'd never have to walk up there normally yeah, I think it's it, it feels a bit like um it reminded me of Final Fantasy 7 in that it it's actually very linear but it feels open world. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. And I think I wanted it to be one or the other. And I I think it was very much trying to to capitalize on the open world popularity whilst also wanting to tell a very linear, very focused story. And a lot of the time, the wanderings kind of detracted from that story because the story picks up so moment, so much momentum as it's going through that, you know, it's... I found I was just going for the story quests rather than doing any side quests because I didn't want to lose that narrative of momentum. It's not like something like, you know, Skyrim or even The Witcher where the, the main stories are kind of... They kind of rumble along in the background and you can just pick them up and drop them. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it, yeah. to go off and do a little st- other stuff along the way. Exactly, yeah, and it's kind of built into your like character that you would go off and do stuff, whereas Kratos is very much focused on dropping his wife's ashes off at the tallest yeah. <laughs> peak in the realms. So, like, coupled with the, the fast travel as well, which you don't unlock for ages, and that isn't... Uh, that it's not any kind of freedom. You have to go through a gate and walk along a path, and you can't jump off the path. You got it, uh, and it's just yeah. You're just running around in a circle until the game is loaded. Yeah, like, basically. Yeah. That, yeah. Which, just, there's no rhyme or reason to where you're running. You just run until the door finally loads. That's it. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of environments that are quite well thought out, especially all the puzzles and stuff. But that the, the fast travel bit is just that's just something you'd do if you just come. You, you didn't have a lot of time to spend running from one end of the map to the other. Yeah, you couldn't be asked. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I only ever used use it. To, yeah, I only ever used it to get back to the main lake, because like I just couldn't be asked. <laughs> like it was just a faff, which is a shame. Like, I, and you know, I kind of hope that Ragnarok is more focused. Yeah, because it feels like that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to tell a linear yeah. focused story, and there's nothing wrong with that. I do think, like, when watching the documentary, you do get the sense that the story was very much their focus. The characters was their mm. focus. There wasn't a lot of time spent, like, fleshing out the side stuff. It felt like something... It's like I was saying at the beginning, like, they were trying to add value for money, like, instead of just yeah. focusing on a linear story. They were trying yeah. to... Because all the... Just obviously, all the... A lot of a lot of games at that point were open world. They, they, you had lots, had lots of side content. You needed stuff to do, basically, not just the story. It's a shame that they didn't just have the confidence in the story, because the story was, is excellent. Yeah, and I think you and can see that. In, engaging. Yeah, I think you can see that in how our conversations have gone tonight in this episode. That you know we have issues with every other part of the game, but the story. And I think it's a shame that they kind of 
they did feel the need to almost gild the lily. Yeah. In that way, because the story and the characters were strong enough, you know, the the history that they were playing with, with, you know, the development of Kratos, but also the, the kind of meta, like fictional element of the development of the game and the maturity of the game versus the old games. Like there was enough there and they should have just had confidence in that because it, it really is that. I mean, to go back to Sasha's original point, that's why I love the game. It's the story and it's the characters. The rest is kind of incidental, to be honest. I did just want to mention accessibility. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I forgot. I meant to put that in the notes. And it's distinct lack of. Yeah. There were other games that were released at the time that were highly accessible. In fact, this was an era of PlayStation gaming where they were kind of really doing away with the idea of things like all games should be played on medium or hard modes and stuff like they did away with a lot of the trophies related to you know how hard you played the game and things like that and there was a lot of focus those menus the fonts and it's come up before and the fact that they've supposedly fixed it and yet it did fuck all it didn't work yeah (laughs) no the menus are utterly incomprehensible and i think they're largely not well explained either mm. um aside from that but, but for me as a person who tried to play it on my playstation 4 on a sort of i think it's i don't know it's not a very big tv that i have in my front room um because i don't watch it a lot <laughs> so i've never really upgraded it and <sighs> unreadable like completely unreadable mm. um to a point where i couldn't play it like and i'm not just saying that i genuinely found it unplayable i would have needed to put my chair like a meter or so away from my TV to be able to play it. The only way I was able to play it at all was either if I was streaming it to my PC, because obviously at my PC I'm sat less than a meter away from my screens, <laughs> or at my partner's on his PlayStation 5 with his absolutely giant, practically cinema-sized screen, and the chair is like maybe only two meters away from the TV. <laughs> um, like, it's excellent. It's a beautiful setup. Um, but yeah, like, I found that really off-putting because I just couldn't read anything unless I was squinting and up close and I don't have the best vision but still that should be a thing and and just generally I think going back to that kludginess it's also not super accessible the quick turnaround and stuff like that the actual camera angles themselves I I think Mm. I don't know how much of that is impacted by you know me being neurodiverse and and sort of really struggling to get to grips with and or interest with um a lot of that stuff but yeah i i do not think it's a particularly accessible game particularly obviously for people who might be struggle with small fonts even when Mm. you set it to big yes i was amazed by how not big the big font was I couldn't tell what changed. No, I kept I changing know. the things. That I'm gonna just work this out because I don't understand. No, no, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, and it's especially embarrassing because like two years later, The Last of Us Part Two came out, and that has just got an absolute wealth of accessibility options. And like apparently, Last of Us Part One that just came out has got even more. Like Naughty Dog are really go out of their way to make sure that their new slate of games are accessible to people, and. It's always a shame when you see games from around that time of release just completely drop the ball. And even the accessibility options they offer 
don't seem to fucking work. Yeah. Yeah, and I do I do think the user interface for you know, I've already mentioned the maps being really busy, but the menus are busy. You can't find oh, the I options. Ignore them. Yeah. The options are like buried in, in the pause screen, like to the point where I was I didn't think I could find them unless we were in a cutscene. And I only like happened to see them out the corner of my eye and was like, Oh, that's how you get to the options while you're in the, the game. Yeah, it took me a while to work that. I was like, oh shit. I, I, you're like, I, oh, that's I, where it I, is. I'm certain, I'm certain there are options here. Yeah. Oh, there they are. <laughs> I didn't know what button I was supposed to press, but I got, got there in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, I would I would agree. I think, again, it comes back to they were so focused on the story by the looks of things that, you know, everything else kind of fell by the wayside and they just sort of did, especially with the accessibility, they did the bare minimum. And slapped an accessibility label on it, and it it's not good enough. Bit based on like the documentary I saw, it does feel like a lot of their time was spent trying to fix Atreus. Mm. Like that, that was seemed to be a big hurdle for them. So other things probably didn't get focused on as hard because the game testers didn't seem to have any issue. Like or bring up, it wasn't a big thing that the game testers were brought up. So they they got really fixated on Atreus because the whole game hinges on Kratos and Atreus. So they they put all of their focus on fixing that part of the game and obviously didn't get didn't spend as much time as they'd like possibly on everything else because they yeah. did have like the the curse of most big blockbuster releases is having a release date to meet yeah rather than face a delay so things like that so like, you know what this this people will work it out let's just <laughs> release it like this as long as it works to some yeah. extent would work it. it out if it wasn't the most convoluted system of menus yeah no it is that's what they mean it's like it's eventually someone's going to hit the right button and they'll get there but let's focus on something else <laughs> yeah yeah because i we'll and it's quite it. it's quite overwhelming as well when you first start playing it i remember being very a lot of confused. admin yeah. so much admin and like not, you see not, not marvel's avengers style but still <laughs> quite a lot I love how many digs you've got in at that game this episode. It's I haven't done it in ages. I'm just getting it out I know. Like, in my system. <laughs> so final thoughts on, on God of War, everyone, after our discussion and, you know, everything we've talked about today. Well, I can go first because I'd rather you, you ended on first. a positive than <laughs> That's a, good idea. a negative. Thanks, no, like what I will say is hearing you guys talk about the story and how much you like it. And I'm genuine as ever. I'm always thrilled to hear you enthuse and you know it's nice that people got something out of it it's a shame really I genuinely found it so tedious that it took away from anything that might have been enjoyable for me I think as well because I looked up how long to be and when I saw that it wasn't a particular long game and I was like six or seven hours in and I was thinking I'm almost a third the way according to how long to be Although, you know, maybe a bit slower. But then again, I was doing nothing side questy at all. I was powering mm. through. And I looked and I just thought, no, I can't I can't do this to myself. <laughs> yeah. Because the last time I tried this, I then struggled to pick up a game for, like, weeks. Um, you know, forcing myself to play, put a lot of time into something that I was not enjoying. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a real shame that I didn't like it. And I'm really sorry that I just genuinely don't really have anything positive to say about it. Uh, I know I didn't no, finish didn't. it, but for me, I've played enough of it to know that it's 100% not for me. Yeah. And I think I, I that think... is absolutely fine. 
that is uh, that is absolutely fine. Like I feel like it's okay yeah. to not like something. You're not you're not making it you're not making it like a a hill to die on where you saying if you like this game you're a complete fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it's okay to oh, not you, like you're not saying that right <laughs> I, I, I mean I don't say you're a cunt I just say I don't like Assassin's Creed it's <laughs> different. It, it, okay I'm just checking it's, it's okay to, not to like things like everyone's got our yeah. own we're all wired differently like I can't get into certain games as I just said it's just as long as you it's as long as we can frame it that this is us speaking and we're not trying to speak for everybody and we're not speaking in generalities and stuff, it's it's completely fine not to like things. I don't feel like there's a, it's a bad thing to dislike something, even if other people like it. It's, it's as long as you, as long as we're all grown ups about it and like level headed and just we, we understand how other people feel and how we feel. It's nothing to be sorry about especially people who may this may be their first episode only hearing is that i'm not actually typically a contrarian at all no I, so but it's I not do, it's I not i don't think it's being contrarianism it has just been that no but this is, Nobody this knows is, you this is the you rare that. time where something is like i just couldn't find anything for me in it yeah and that's not contrarianism yeah. that's just you know a contrarian for me is someone being like, oh, I hate it, and then not providing reasons why. You've been very clear as to, you know, why it didn't work for you. And it's also provided some really interesting jumping off points for discussions. You know, I think our episodes are always best when we have different levels of opinion or experience, you know, when we all different come together. Different levels of interest it's, as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. I've yeah, yeah. really enjoyed this discussion and having, like, the various, you know, various relationships with the franchise and also you know the various experiences we've had playing it because we've all had very different ones there's just we happen to have more crossover in terms of the positives than than you have this time but i'm looking forward to near automata to see how we fall on that one which is i know is one of your favorite games so i know we all like predicted that you wouldn't like it but that's not us all thinking you're a contrarian it's just we know you well enough to know yeah <laughs> your interests like how what kind of games appeal to you the style of games and the the closer we got to recording this episode the more obvious it was that ooh, we did we sure picked a clunker for sasha yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this is something to take into account in future and kind of be more considerate no, I don't no, think we, no, I don't mean I don't, we were being I, inconsiderate, no, no, no. but we did. We didn't really. We didn't think too far ahead of like, oh well, maybe this isn't the type of game we're all going to enjoy. We should yeah. really try and cover games that we think we're all going to enjoy, at the very least. It, if if we like, we all come to play Near Automata, and some of us don't like it that haven't played it before. That's fine, but we're we're going in with an open mind and like. I know you did come into. I'm getting flushed. I'm very tired. Sorry. <laughs> coming, in, you did come into it with an open mind, but like we all had, like the closer we got, the more likely it was that you probably weren't going to like it. The more we got used to the things you were liking, and the more open you became about the type of games you like, like Final Fantasy, fourteen, opening you up to like JRPGs and things like that. It came very obvious. This is not JRPG. <laughs> this is not your thing at all. Really, this isn't. This doesn't have the things that you look for in a game. No, and it, it became doesn't. a lot obvious the closer we got to that. That yeah. doesn't mean that I don't mind trying things that don't Yeah, I know, like, but like... It, like Horizon Zero it. Dawn and stuff like that kind of has yeah. all the hallmarks of a AAA that just doesn't hugely appeal to me and never hugely has. But yeah, it just, it just, it didn't work for me. And I guess like, like you say, we should end on a positive because that is nicer <laughs> than 
me just being all, you know, the so. But yeah, I, I like. I think take it me, away. <laughs> I think for me, like, uh, you know, talking with you about it, um, both on the pod and kind of separately as well, has helped me kind of narrow down on some of the the nigglier bits that I didn't like so much and especially on the second playthrough when I was looking at it with a more critical we're going to talk about this on the podcast I I did find that you know there are there are things that didn't quite work for me this time around but the story saves it for me I think you know it's such um an interesting like thematic exploration of parental relationships but also storytelling and you know how mythology kind of allows us to explore these relationships in a way that is uh, removed from us but also you know we can see very much ourselves in characters like Kratos and and Atreus and that's kind of that is always it comes back to me like the importance of video games is there are ways of healthy ways of playing through this stuff and you know coming to terms with toxic masculinity and how we've grown since we played the first games or like finding something to to talk about in terms of my personal interest in mythology etc i may have issues with other parts of the game now but the, the story will always bring me back i remember like when i was still the gaming editor for the digital fix we did a end of generation games awards like when the PS4, Xbox One era was ending, giving way to the PS5, Xbox Series X. We wanted to do a little, little awards thing, so that people could vote on their favourite games from the previous generation. Because we didn't plan very well, we did it as writing votes, and made things way more fucking complicated than it needed to be. But for the, the big award, which is the Game of the Generation award, uh, God of War won by like a landslide. And while it's not my favourite game of the generation, I can completely understand why people gravitated towards it like artistically and like just just it's real it was like a big for for a triple a game reboot or soft rebooting a really popular like iconic franchise it was a really big risk and it it paid off like incredibly well considering there was a lot on the line like it's something you'll notice when if you watch a documentary santa monica studio is basically this they needed this to work, otherwise they were done. Basically, they'd already lost one project, like got, that got cancelled. Uh, this was their last shot, basically, to reboot their most iconic franchise and make sure it appealed to people. It it definitely worked for me. It's not like I said, it's not my choice of end of gener- best game of the generation. But like coming back to it as like for the podcast with a more critical eye, like I've started thinking a lot more about not like well being a son and like my own relationship with my father how it can feel like maybe he's being hard on you a little cold not not like giving you what you need from him and it's just interesting to see like bits of myself in Kratos and Atreus like kind of coming to grips with the fact that my dad didn't you know he, he didn't hate me he wasn't resentful of me or anything like that he just this how he raised me was how he knew how to prepare me for the world. Uh, he couldn't really do it without being slightly blunt about it, but it wasn't done out of like any kind of malice or mistreatment. It was just how that's n- how he knew how to show he loved me. 
so things like that just kind of came to me. I was like, okay, it that sort of thing made it, it meant a lot to me to get something like that from a video game. And now that I am a, a father of a, a newborn son, it's given me some even other th- new things, like just, just the feeling of responsibility of raising a boy, because raising a son feels like just raising, like playing Russian roulette, like the possibility of it going horribly fucking wrong and sending a complete scumbag out into the world no. is terrifying. He obviously, he's not going to be a mass murderer like Kratos, like, but you know, there's this worries that you're, you're going to kind of raise a dick and he's going to go out <laughs> in there the world and make things horrible for other people. But Sergio, if you're listening, it, it, I'm sure you're lovely. <laughs> yeah, but playing playing the game and like thinking about being a father myself, there's things like just holding my son and like he when he's really upset and crying and he grabs both he grabs one of my hands with both of his little fists and pulls his hand pulls my hand to his chest just holding on for dear life and i'd be thinking okay yeah i i get it i I would like snap the neck of god himself to protect this kid (laughs) it's it's, a lot of stuff in this game like it's all very big and rara action like but there's there's a lot of stuff that i just saw myself in as a son and as a father it just it's a really special game and i don't know how I don't know whether Ragnarok is going to be able to do the same things because it's got a much bigger story to deal with. I'm hoping they're smart enough to know that the father and the son dynamic is what's going to make it. I'm confident because Cory Barlog wouldn't put his name to something that he didn't believe in, I don't think, because he's walked away from the industry before. So I'm hoping Ragnarok does something good. Well, I'll just try and follow those lovely words that you just said. Thanks for that. About breaking God's neck. Hey, you could have jumped in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really love this game. I um, I really enjoyed it as much as I did uh, the first time playing it for the pod. Uh, it wasn't a chore. It was a pleasure. I, I, whenever we do games for the podcast, I always try and sort of put aside a bit of time per day leading up to the recording. So I kind of know, you know, how long it's going to take me to finish, how much time I need to put in to try and get through the entire game so I can talk about it all. And I ended up getting through this a lot quicker than I had planned because I was just enjoying myself so much. And Ragnarok is the it's like the game I'm most looking forward to now this year. I'm sure some other stuff will come out that I'll play, but nothing on my horizon at the moment apart from Ragnarok. I'm just so excited for that game to drop. And it's, it's just so nice to see the way this franchise has matured and the way it's gone for this it's come from this like angry beginnings where it was all about rage and anger and yeah we're going to appeal to this crowd to becoming this game that does have a lot of fun combat and that rah 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 fighting but it also has something a lot more considered more nuanced and quite lovely in places and emotional as well and it's it's kind of nice to almost map my own journey that way as well similar to how the games have gone and i'm i'm really glad i am where i am and i'm really glad the game is where it is as a franchise and i'm really excited for the new game and i just hope they can hit the highs of this one cool sorry it just started like cool. absolutely <laughs> like tipping it down here <laughs> just terrified the cool life cool <laughs> no. chips that I, i've grown as a person and no, no. cool <laughs> nice one thumbs up <laughs> Alright, so it's that part of the podcast where I give my recommendation for this month. And weirdly enough, Chip mentioning everybody's gone to the rapture, I had picked the score for my recommendation by Jessica Curry because I've already recommended the God of War 
score by Bear McCreary in another episode because it's fantastic oh, yeah. and amazing and off you go and listen to that please um so I thought it yes. would be nice to to do another score for this one um and Jessica Curry's score for everybody's gone to the rapture is just stunning yes my favorite thing about that game yeah. so yes yeah mine too mine too and I do think that's part of the reason why I love it so much and it's it's a wonderful kind of lyrical very English uh, classical musical style so hymns and folk songs but also just this really beautiful like choral element to it as well um, and it's lovely and haunting and it's really good to walk, work to or to like drive down a country lane in the sunshine too um, so yeah Jessica Curry score for everybody's gone to the rapture is my recommendation for this month and that about wraps it up for the episode. So we'll do the usual rundown of the socials. Andy, where can people find you? Truly underscore defective on Twitter and truly defective, just one word, on Instagram because I'm posting pictures of my very cute baby. He is very cute. Sergio is lovely. You did good. He's not called Sergio. I just need to be clear to anyone listening. He's not called Sergio. <laughs> no, no, he, I am he not is cultural called appropriating anything. He yeah. is called Sergio. <laughs> I, 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 I named him after Arthur Morgan. Yeah, Sergio. Yeah. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur, he's called Morgan Gallagher Shaw, so it's Metal Gear Solid initials. Amazing. Double nerdiness. So. Snake! I am going to dress him up as Solid Snake for one Halloween. Absolutely. <laughs> Sasha, where can people find you? Uh, bash at Demonhead on things. Cool. And Chip? Uh, my old panic because I lost my notes and I haven't written this down. It's uh, your names. Chip Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I know, but there's a thumbs in there. There's It's it's you, at the Chip Thompson on Twitter. thumbs up Uh, and Chip Thompson's thumbs on Twitch and I'm Becky Grace Lee on Twitter and Instagram and you can find the podcast on 1UPPOD on Twitter and Instagram Uh. and the website is 1UPPOD.com I'm just going to say hello because it annoys Chip Uh. (laughs) and we're also on Twitch which is just 1UPPOD which is also (laughs) 1UPPOD We're not using it yet, but we, we will. We will use it at some point, all right? Follow us and encourage plans. us We did have plans. Things just keep going wrong. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get there eventually. Life's hard, People man. had babies. Yeah. And like, yeah. Illnesses and all Illnesses sorts of shit and, went wrong. Yeah, it's, it's just all gone wrong. The chip got sick and then I had a baby. So it, it just that Our planned stream just went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> One day, we shall appear on Twitch and you should follow us and encourage us. That's it for another month. Our next episode will be a nice and spooky Halloween themed episode called The Games That Made Us <laughs> Poop Our Pants. So I'm really looking forward to, to talking about the games that um, fucked us up in all the best ways next time. So we'll catch you all then. Bye! Oh, yeah, Boy. tagline! <laughs> Don't forget to get a life and play video games. <laughs> Good work. Well done. Oh, I'm very tired. I need to go to bed. Boy. Boy. Thank you.